All right, how you guys doing? I'm back again. All right, uh, it's definitely an honor and privilege not just to lead people into God's presence through worship, uh, but it is a greater honor to lead people through the Word of God. Uh, before we do, as we do every time that I preach, I'll get everyone to stand. Um, they say apparently three to five. It's healthy every day. You need a, three to five hugs to be healthy. So uh, when you give someone a high five, give them a hug. If someone's new to the church, make them feel welcomed. Tell them you love them. If they're wearing something beautiful, say you're beautiful. Brothers, this is your chance. Just kidding. All right. And uh, go ahead and take your seats. Um, my name is Herman uh, with two N's. It's a German spelling, uh, but I am Korean Australian. Uh, I am your worship pastor and uh, also a man with a beautiful wife and a beautiful daughter. Every time I come up to preach, I always make sure to mention them. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, it's really a privilege to be here because uh, as I do, every time that I preach, I really try to preach from my innermost being. I try to preach, preach my guts out. And um, more than that, I really try to preach my life. Uh, a lot of the things that I do speak, I try to uh, make sure that I've lived those testimonies, I've lived that word out, revelation out. So when I do deliver it, um, I'm living in that place of truth. So uh, please continue to uh, pray for me as I share today's message. I believe there is a specific message, uh, just as Pastor Lydia said, and uh, just as um, Sarah Boyle said. I believe that God's going to speak to you individually, but also for a house. All right. So this is my third sermon of my leadership series. Uh, I've been preaching from the book of First Samuel. And I'm going to go through uh, all the way to 2 Samuel. Lord willing, maybe I'll finish within my lifetime. <laughs> uh, but specifically, it's a leadership series looking at how we as God's people can become better leaders. And uh, you'll see today um, that God has a message about leadership. So my first sermon, I spoke from the first chapter of Samuel 1. And it talked about how God is sovereign. And through the story of Samuel's family... Hannah, who was barren and uh, found in the place of her counterpart, Penina, who had many children, uh, we found and learned the lessons that God is sovereign through, in and through our pains. That not only is God sovereign in the times of our blessings, but he's also sovereign in the seasons of barrenness. God has a purpose in our pains. And that depending on how we respond to pain, it can either purify our faith or poison us. We also learned that in this sermon that God is sovereign in and through our prayers as we looked at the life of Hannah, revealing the necessity to turn to Jesus first. So pouring out our hearts, our needs, and our trust must come by turning to Jesus first. In my second sermon uh, from the second chapter uh, titled, God Remembers, I spoke about God's faithfulness as the one who remembers our prayers and he remembers it in his due time. There is a wisdom. And in response to that, uh, in re remembering God's prayers, I also talked about how God is inviting us to remember our vows. Uh, it takes 
It takes stewardship, sharing of our testimonies, and the surrendering of our answered prayers to God to remember our vows. So that was my two, two sermons, and this will be my third. And today I'm going to take a focus, uh, I'm going to take a look at one specific section from 1 Samuel 2, if you guys want to turn there. I'm going to look specifically at verses 10. And from there, I'm going to also give you guys various texts. So if you open your Bibles right now, 1 Samuel chapter 2, and have that ready. Okay. And the core of my message, and as a matter of fact, for the entirety of my series, my heart and the message of each uh, Bible text is to raise up leaders who place God at the center of every part of their lives. And as we will see today, it is to place God at the center of our leadership. If leadership is influence, then I dare say that everyone here has been called to leadership in one form or many, whether you realize it or not. As a matter of fact, the gospel commands us to influence the nations for Jesus. He calls us to influence by discipleship. Whether you're a housewife or a single ready to mingle, whether you're a hagwon teacher or a public school teacher, whether you're poor or rich, or if you're involved at New Philadelphia Church, whatever level, title or not, there is a level of influence, a level of leadership entrusted to you because of the level, each person has a unique level of influence, influence that you carry. Okay? Every single person has a unique network of people that no other person in all of history and all of time can reach except for you. So it's important you in your unique giftings and your unique leadership to live out exactly how God has called you to be. So by default, as Christians, you are called to leadership purely because you believe in Jesus. Now just to be on the same page, uh, the Bible makes no reference to God calling us to be leaders. But just like uh, how we have the theology of Trinity uh, that was developed by systemizing Scripture, let us all agree that God has called us to make an impact in the world and to lead people to Christ through our various vocations. So in, in other words, this message is for you. Every single person involved here in this room, this message is for you. So as we continue on, uh, as we left off from the last time, Hannah, who is just a simple housewife by occupation, we find her responding to God's providence by keeping her vows, by giving Samuel back to God. Such a beautiful picture. And in the midst of that, she writes this amazing biblical and prophetic prayer in exuberant and extravagant act of worship. Okay, and I'm just going to get uh, one person to le- uh, read in a loud voice. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Let's get... Uh, Pastor Lydia. All right, go ahead and uh, uh, verses 1 to 10 in a loud voice. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. 
The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to shield and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. Mm. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. Mm. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness. For not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. Amen. Amen. Wow. And to say she's just a housewife, huh? <laughs> um, as you can see, this, this prayer and uh, exuberant act of worship, it, it's packed with theology. It's packed with understanding. And today I'm going to focus specifically at the verse 10. I'm going to read that one more time for us. It says that the Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the power of his anointed. So the occurrence of the word king in uh, 1 and 2 Samuel happens here through the song of Hannah. Uh, Though the Lord is not explicitly described as king here, it is implied through the statement that he is the one who judges the ends of the earth. Hannah seen is expressing a conviction that the, that the king that the king is the Lord, but Scripture is establishing that He is the one who gives power to His human deputy, the king, and lifts up quote unquote power of His anointing. Okay, I'm just going to change mics. Sorry for that. Okay. All right. So as we see from this verse, um, the minor theme in 1 Samuel is about leadership. And through the examples of the human leaders, we must be diligent to highlight the major overarching theme is that God is the ultimate leader and king. God is the king of the universe that no human king or leader can assume kingship except as the deputy of the divine king. God has been enthroned as king from eternity, and this is expressed as early as Exodus 15:17, when it says, The Lord will reign forever and ever. You see, God desires for both his people and the nations to know he is king, that he is ultimate, that he is the leader of all, leader of leaders, king of kings, lord of lords. It's pretty smooth. So I want you guys to take a, take a short moment right now and just think of any great leader. It may be a secular leader. Uh, it might be someone in the technology field. It might be someone in the uh, mountain, the politician mountain, the education mountain. But just take a moment right now just to think of one or two leaders and just think, why are people great? Okay? So I can, I can name a few leaders that comes from the top of my head. Uh, PCNP, Pastor Caleb and uh, Pastor Christian and Pastor Aaron. Uh, our spiritual leaders of our campus and our ministry. Uh, Pastor Caleb Amina, people like Pastor Benjamin and Pastor uh, Sonny, John Piper, Mark Driscoll, 
Bill Johnson, Billy Graham. Uh, there's people like Steve Jobs even. Uh, people like uh, Obama. There's people even Osama. People, somehow, someway, they have become great influences within their sphere. Now, you may say PC is a great leader because he has this amazing visionary skill and is full of fire and he knows how to raise up leaders. Or you may say that Pastor Caleb and Mina are great because of the grace they walk in and their ability to release that through their ministry. Or just as I mentioned, Billy Graham, you may say that he is a great person of faith because he caused millions of lives to be saved under his evangelistic crusades. But today I want to present to you that they are great leaders because they follow a great God. Greatness does not come because we bestow it upon ourselves. Greatness comes because of the value bestowed by the one who bestows. God is great. You see, Christian leadership isn't about being the greatest leader. Christian leadership is about being the greatest follower. Let me say that one more time. Christian leadership isn't about being the greatest leader. It is about being the greatest follower. What did Jesus say to his disciples? Matthew 4:19 and he said to them, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." Matthew 16:24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me." John 12:26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servants be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You see, Jesus didn't tell his disciples, I will make you into great leaders. But on the contrary, he said, they will become servants of all, doulosses and followers. He commanded us to deny ourselves and to follow. As God's leaders, we must be arrows that point people away from man's leadership and to God's leadership. As small group leaders, as people in the church, as pastors, as Sunday school teachers, as Hagwan teachers, your job is to point Jesus, is to point people to Jesus, is to point every single soul that God sends your way and say, Jesus is this way. Let me say it again. Those who follow God well will lead God's people well. Our job as leaders, as Henry Blackaby would say, is to, quote, get people on mission with God. Our job is to help people see their God-given destiny and to get them on mission with Him. So coming back to the story, so we have this so-called housewife by the name of Hannah. She has no particular leadership title or great influence, but the fact is she gets it. She really got it. Verse 10. Verse 10 reveals it. Verse 10 reveals to us that she got the revelation that God is ultimately in control of all earthly leadership. And it is by walking in this revelation, just as Hannah did, and following God's leadership, she literally became the leader of leaders, both spiritually and in the natural. You see, parents, future parents, school and hagwon teachers, future Sunday school teachers or youth workers, all of us, we need to get this. Do not despise the high calling that you have. The high calling of raising children and the next generation to the Lord. As a matter of fact, in Scripture, God commands us to commend 
and exhort the next generation of what he has done. It is a commandment of the Lord. Now, just like Hannah, all of us, we too, will and can bring forth Samuels under our influence and leadership. We too will raise up leaders and prophets of nations under our leadership. Hannah became a leader of leaders because God used her prayers in the seasons of pain to pray forth Samuel, whom in turn became a leader to both Israel, Saul, and to the greatest king of all of history, David. God used Samuel to bring counsel to a man that was the greatest king here on earth. The ripple effect of Hannah's housewife prayers affected a nation changed eternity, and moved the heart of God. You see, Christian leadership isn't defined by a title or even by the number of people that are under you. Christian leadership is about following God. And uh, I remember this one story that moved my heart, and it's the story of about, a, about a lady named uh, Susanna Wesley. And uh, the story goes that every time um, she set aside a time, every time she wanted to worship, she would put on an apron. And she was the mother of many kids, many children. And every time that she would put this apron on, uh, her children would know exactly, this is a time that mother goes into time of worship. So let's leave mother alone. So day in, day out, she would put her apron on, and the children would leave her alone. And uh, this basic housewife, this woman of God, just by her simple acts of worship and following Jesus, she ended up raising two of uh, one of the greatest men of history. And the names were Charles Wesley and John Wesley. Mothers, future mothers, just by simply worshiping, just by simply worshiping God, you have, you have the opportunity to impact a generation. Charles and John Wesley. They were the founders of the Methodist movement. And uh, before it became just about methods, it was a spirit-filled, powerful movement. There was revival. People would pack the church. People would and repent at the name of Jesus. John Wesley, he wrote many of the most famous hymns in our church history today. If you guys heard of the songs, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Hark the herald angels sing. Jesus, lover of my soul. All of these songs made huge impact on history. Why? Because of the prayers and the faithful stewardship and leadership of Susanna Wesley. Your influence makes an impact for generations. So now that we've established that Christian leadership is about being the greatest followers and not just the greatest leaders, what does it mean as Christian leaders to follow him? Well, today I want to present to you three points, and I want to highlight that both are in the Bible. And both we can see in our Christian leaders that have made massive impact in the nations. So the first point I want to draw out is that God's leaders trust God's leadership. God's leaders trust God's leadership. It really begins with a revelation, as we saw through Hannah's song, that all leadership comes from God's leadership. Ultimately, and the Bible makes it clear, That every spiritual and earthly leadership is under the authority of God. Nothing is outside of his jurisdiction. Romans 13.13 says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Why? 
For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities, resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. I say it again. Nothing is outside of God's leadership. And as we see as well in the story of Job, even Satan himself, even Satan himself has to ask God for permission to bring spiritual warfare on the life of Job. Uh, Let's all turn to Job 1. And we're going to look at chapter 1, verses 6 to 12. And I want us to really get this revelation. The revelation of his sovereignty and leadership. Verses 6 reads, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house, all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in land. Verses 12. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. Do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Spiritual warfare is under the authority of God. Every trial that you face, every difficulty that you have come across in your life, Nothing is outside his sovereign will. In other words, God has providentially allowed the trials and even demonic attacks that you may be facing today for a specific purpose. God gave permission that Joseph, David, Peter, and Paul, as a matter of fact, every Bible character, including Jesus, to experience spiritual warfare, that what was intended to harm them, it was the very thing to save the lives of many. Jesus went through spiritual warfare. He was tempted in the desert. And what did, Jesus, what did Jesus do? He overcame. And God used him as a priest to prepare the way for life. So if God allows every Bible character, and even Jesus himself, to experience God-permitted trials, as God's people and his leaders, we must trust his leadership. We must trust his leadership when we go through trials. God is in ultimate control. He is the ultimate leader of the universe. And as leaders, if we get this revelation, then everything, I mean everything, should fall into place. So as God's leaders, we must trust God's leadership. Proverbs 5, it's a well-known verse. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding." Trust in Him. Everything. With all of your heart. Every understanding, the Bible says, does not compare in trusting Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. 
God, there's a decision I need to make. God, I acknowledge that you are Lord and sovereign over the and over my leadership. God, lead me and govern me. In all your ways, and the Bible says that he will make your path straight. Every path. Verse 7. This is a verse for some of you. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Why? It will bring healing to, you, to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. People of God, trust his leadership. Trust that he will lead you into all truth and wisdom. He will lead you not to fail, but only to grow, to increase, to learn and bear fruit. Isaiah thirty twenty one says, And your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. God is constantly speaking to you. God is longing to guide you. God is longing to lead you. And according to the famous Psalms 23, God longs to lead you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Why? Because his name's on the line. His glory's on the line. So you bet when he leads, he'll be sure to not let you be put to shame for those who put his hope in him. Secondly, God's leaders follow him through prayer. And I'm going to cover this in my later series in the story of David. But man, David is the man. This guy is a man of mans. And uh, as we see from his countless life-threatening and nation-changing battles, he was a man who sought the Lord. He was so hungry for the presence of God that he would not take one step without inquiring of the Lord. So how do we follow him through prayer? I think the Bible shows us a perfect example through the life of David. So many times, let me read you every time. It says, 1 Samuel 23, Therefore David inquired the Lord, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? In another instance, 1 Samuel 23, 4, it says, Then David inquired of the Lord again. 1 Samuel 30, And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? 2 Samuel 2, 1, After this, the David, this David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up to this city of Judah? 2 Samuel 5.19, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I go up against the Philistines? Every time he inquired of the Lord. Like David, people of God, as leaders, we need to learn how to inquire of him. All it takes is just a simple time out and say, God, what is your heart? Shall I go up? Shall I go down? Shall I wait? Shall I go? You know, there are many times uh, for me personally... Um, where I've come to decisions, both major and minor, that simply I could have brought it to God first. But instead I found myself, uh, number one, I found myself asking the advice of my wife or asking the advice of my spiritual authorities. Or simply I found myself just simply coming to God and saying, God, I have these fears and not really contending or asking him what he thinks about the situation. And a lot of the times we, we do that, don't we? We respond to decisions at the place of fear. Whether it's finances, whether it's workplace decisions, whether it's within our marriages, whether it's making decisions with people, we would rather turn to man first than seek the wisdom and the guidance of God. I found that there are many times in our lives when we are uh, through our various decisions or leadership decisions that we start to panic. Fear sets in. 
and we try to reason with our minds and flesh, it is those times especially that we need to step back. Step back. Step back. Step back. We're going to begin to pray. And many of us, we have the gift of tongues. It's those times when we need to exercise that, that gift. I remember hearing a story of uh, uh, the worship leader, Brooke Frazier. And uh, she was sitting at a cafe. And she was just enjoying her day. And suddenly, out of nowhere, uh, this, this man comes up to her. And uh, initially, it didn't seem like much. But as, she, as he got closer and closer, she noticed that something was off about this man. And uh, it was one of those things where her discernment kicked in. And she felt like, man, something's not right. Uh, I need to begin to pray. And so under her breath, she began to pray in tongues. Lord, keep me safe from this situation. Give me wisdom in how to respond. And, and she was sharing with us in the class that uh, the man was looking like he was about to do something weird. But as she began to pray under her breath, and as she began to declare things and begin to bind things in the spirit and, and, and asking God wisdom in the situation, in a, in a weird, not frightening way, but amazing way, uh, the man's action began to decline. And, and, he, and he simply just walked away. It could have turned into a, an embarrassing moment maybe, or it could have been worse, maybe a, a violent situation. Uh, but in any case, uh, she, she was able to turn to God, inquire, to pray in a heavenly language. So I want to encourage you guys the same. Know that when you ask him, he is faithful to your prayers. He will answer. Even in silence, it's an answer. Even in those seemingly closed doors, it's an answer. Even in our trials, there may be God's answer to our prayers. As God's leaders, we need to have an open dialogue with the Holy Spirit. Every moment, God, is this okay? Can I, can I walk down this alleyway? Is it safe for me to interact with this person? Like literally, it's okay. I encourage you to ask Him. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Even the most smallest details of your life, when you encourage the Holy Spirit, to interact with your life. Watch the miracles unfold. As God's leaders, you are called to be led by the Spirit. So again, I challenge you. Begin to inquire. Begin to ask. But when you do ask, don't doubt, as the Bible says. The Bible says that those who doubt are like a double-minded person who is unstable in all that she or he does. But no, according to James 5, if any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Also, another thing I want to encourage you guys when you go into that time of prayer, sometimes you don't know what to pray. Bring God into times of brainstorming. Let's say you have a creative project that you need to do or you need to do a lesson plan. Lesson plan with God. Say, God, this is the lesson I have prepared for the next 30 minutes. God, this part I'm not too sure about. Holy Spirit, could you give me more creativity? Holy Spirit, is this okay? Will this encourage the kids? God, does this betray your heart? Storm with Him. Watch the supernatural act of worship intertwine in your work as you brainstorm. Even as I prepare my worship sets, uh, there are times when I have to stop. God, I've sung this song a thousand times. God, I've, I've, I've sung this song a thousand times. 
But I want to sing the new song that you have today. I want to hear your heart for your people today. God, I want to hear your songs being sung in heaven through this song in a fresh new way. And I begin to brainstorm with him. And I want to encourage you as well, as teachers, as leaders, as people of influence, learn how to brainstorm. My third point for today in following God is that God's leaders follow him through wisdom. Now, there are many, many avenues of knowledge and wisdom. And a prime example of that is uh, people like Oprah, who believe that there is many ways to reach God, many ways that we can experience joy, we can experience happiness, or we can experience true knowledge and wisdom. But as his followers, we need to believe that wisdom comes from the fear of the Lord. Because how we relate to God will determine how you and I will walk in true wisdom. Psalms 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that all those who practice it have good understanding. I bet a lot of the wisdom that PC gets, it comes from that place of fearing the Lord. Man, so many things that we do in our house, so many principles that we apply in our house, I really believe that because of the fear of the Lord that's on this house, there's this creativity, there's this injection of wisdom. And I believe the same for us individually. When we learn to place God at the center of our lives and the fear of the Lord, that's when God releases a fresh anointing of wisdom. So on that point, and following through wisdom, I want to say that we follow Him when we seek out His wisdom. The Bible makes it clear Receive my word, treasure it up. The Bible says to seek wisdom like a hidden treasure, more than silver and gold. Chase after his wisdom. Pursue it for his great life. Why? The Bible says then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, comes knowledge and understanding. If you want to know how to live in excellence, and be successful, seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. Wisdom not only gives us confidence to walk on every good path, but the Bible makes clear that it protects us to remain on this path. It keeps us on the straight and narrow. Not only must we seek wisdom and knowledge, but God-given wisdom. And today I want to share with you Multiple ways that you can do that. First way is to read and study. Do what you can. Grab every book that you believe will edify your heart, edify your spirit, will increase your knowledge of God. Study it. Study the Bible. Read it not just when you do quiet times, but devour it. Read it from chapter to chapter. Read it like there is no tomorrow. Set aside a whole day just to say, God, I'm going to read the book of Job. Today I'm going to read the book of uh, Psalms or Proverbs. Because God, I want to grow deeper in love with you. I want to know your heart. I want to get your wisdom. I want to know what it means to, to walk in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Secondly, study your leaders and pastors. 
Study the people that you know are chasing the Lord. Look at their lives and see how the Lord is using them. A lot of the times when uh, the seasons that God was raising me up as a worship leader, I'll just be sitting there and just watch people like Chris Tomlin, people like Hillsong, and I'll just replay and I'll just watch how they, they would lead the people of God into his presence. And it's kind of weird. It's not one of those things that you can learn, but it's one of those things you can only catch by observing and by seeing the spirit of that act. And in the same way, when you observe your leaders, I mean, obviously there are some things that you don't agree with or you might say, oh man, that's just jacked up. But there are times when you see, man, that's, that's an, there's anointing on that. There's anointing and wisdom on their leadership. And there's something about inheritance. There's something about receiving an inheritance from our leaders that simply by observing and surrounding ourselves with these type of leaders, man, we, just, we just naturally get imparted the same wisdom. So I want to encourage you, study your leaders. Thirdly, surround your people and, 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 and people uh, and leaders who surround themselves with the presence of God. Leaders who hold specific spiritual or life qualities that you want to grow in. So if you know there are people, man, I want to be like that person in some degree. Obviously we want to be like Jesus, but man, that person, something about the way that she leads prayer. Maybe it's an invitation that God is saying, why don't you surround yourself with people like that? Be selective. And I want to encourage you as well, avoid people when possible. People who are always critical or angry all the time. Even the Bible says, avoid people who are angry because it can become a snare. We need to be effective. We need to be at all costs. Ways, find ways to guard our hearts for is the life spring, for is the spring of life. And finally, we need to be selective in how and who we spend time with. And what do we do when we spend time with these people? Is it, talk, is it talking about gossip? Is it talking about the latest fad? Or, but do you spend time investing in developing your wisdom? Do you spend time asking for feedback about areas that you need to develop? Do you spend time asking what the Lord is doing in your life and theirs? Bounce ideas. Brainstorm with them. Because most of the times in that time of collaboration... It is when the anointing comes and he releases wisdom for you to receive. We need to be like Solomon. When God asked Solomon, he said, Solomon, if there is one prayer that I can answer for you, what did Solomon say? Solomon said, give your servant therefore understanding. Understanding to mind and govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? If there is one prayer as leaders, one prayer that we could pray just as Solomon did, it is to ask God, help me discern between what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. How can I govern these great people of yours? As church leaders, this should be our attitude, our humility. God, how can I lead these people? How can I lead my small group people into the reverence, into the worship that so you desire? God, how can I lead these great people? 
And along, alongside the lifestyle of prayer, we need to know that God has already granted us many of the wisdoms that we so desire. A lot of the times we find ourselves asking God, what do I do? God, what do I say? We are waiting and waiting on our knees, expecting God to drop this supernatural word. But like Joshua in the chapter of 7, when Israel's defeated at Ai, Joshua is found on his face and he's praying, wondering, what happened? What happened? And uh, as a leader, he's probably going through all these negative emotions. Man, I messed up. Man, all of Israel is jacked up because of my leadership. And he's on his face, crying out to God, God, what do I do? And what does God say? God says to Joshua, get up. Why are you fallen on your face? You see, many of us right now, we're still on our faces when God has already told us to get up and go. Many of us are like crying out for wisdom. God, how do I do this? What do I do for this situation? But God is saying to you right now, just as he did for Joshua, get up. Why are you on your faces? Your season of prayer and fasting and contending is done. Your season of healing and deliverance is finished. It's time for you to get up. It's time for you to shake off the lies and deceptions. Stop turning to your leaders for every little help. It's time for you to stand on your own feet and get up. God is saying, I've given you wisdom. God is saying, you lack nothing. Every time you feel that you lack nothing, you're coming into agreement with the lie that Satan has placed in this world. That you need more, more than God. When you say, I lack nothing, you are declaring, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that you have been called to bear fruit. Who has called you to bear fruit? The Bible says God has called you to bear fruit. Not only to bear fruit, but fruit that will last. You see, every action has fruit. Every decision has fruit. And the Bible says that you will bear fruit Fruit that will impact all of eternity. Even now, as I preach, even now, as you listen to me speak, and you are contending to hear the voice of God through my preaching, you are bearing fruit. Fruit that will last. Eternity that will last. So I want to encourage and challenge you right now. What is God saying to you? What areas of your life are you still on your faces and waiting on God? God is saying go. God is saying go. I believe that the season for seaside is now go. Go. Get off your faces and start chasing after the things of God. Stop worrying about your insecurities. Stop worrying about what people will think. Stop contending for things that are already been won over, that you have been delivered from. It's time for you to get off your faces and go. There are times, you know, there are times when God is saying no. There are times when God is saying grow. There are times, as we've learned, God is saying slow. And God will give you wisdom for that. But the fact is, eternity is at stake, and there is only so much time. God's people... There are million, millions of millions of souls out there right now 
even now as we worship, who are literally selling their souls to the devil, who are literally wasting their lives because the people of God are still on their faces weeping over their past. People of God, it's time to be awakened. It's time to go. And I know, I know that it seems like such a broad stroke when I say go, and God is saying go. But I believe right now that God is going to give you and impart to you a wisdom. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to give you wisdom in how to enact that word go. I declare to you right now, under the power of the Holy Spirit, go. There's areas of your lives that God is calling you to go. There's areas that you're holding back. Whether it's in finances, whether it's in relationships, God is saying for you to let it go. There's areas in your workplaces that you're not submitting your heart to God and God is saying go. There's areas even now, as you sit here in worship, that you are still holding back your hearts and God is saying go. I just, I just sense that God right now, He wants to speak specifically to people in this room. He has been crying out to you to go. It's time. It's time to stop wondering whether Jesus is out of the tomb and believe that we are living in the times of Acts. We're in the book of Acts, and it's not by coincidence that we've been experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he wants us to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. He wants to baptize you so that you will go. Seaside. I just have a simple message I feel like the Lord wants to share. Follow God with all your heart. Follow Him with all your heart. Seek Him and trust His leadership. Seek Him through prayer and walk through the wisdom that you already have. And I believe the word is for you, go. It's time for you to go. So what we're going to do right now, I'm going to lead a time of worship. And we're going to spend some, spend some time just focusing our attention upon Him. And focusing our hearts upon Him. And then I'm going to lead us through a prayer topic and invite him to speak to us. So just take a moment right now as we quiet down our souls. Today is not a spectacular word. It's not a message of eloquence or a message where you feel, wow, 
But I really believe it's the message of God's heart for you today. It's a very simple message. And I do believe there are people in this room who are surrendered, who are fully surrendered to God. And at the same time, I do believe, as the Lord highlights in my heart, there are some people God has been highlighting to specific areas, finances, relationships, concerns, areas of your heart that God is saying, get off your faces. It's time to go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. So I just want to take a short moment right now. Just let the Holy Spirit, let God just speak to you right now. Let him just highlight areas and just say, yes, God. Let go and I go. Let's all stand. Sing Spirit Break Out. Spirit Break Out. Break Out. Lost Down. Spirit Break Out. Heaven Come Down. Heaven 
sing our Father. Our Father, all of heaven bless your name. Sing louder. Let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth. The sound of heaven touching earth. Our Father, all of heaven loves your name. Sing louder. Let this place erupt with praise. Can you hear it? The sound of heaven touching earth. The sound of heaven touching earth. Spirit break out. Break our walls down. Oh, sing Spirit break out. Down. Sing one more time. Spirit, break out. Break our walls down. Spirit, break out. Heaven, come down. God, we want to come before you right now just to lay and bind all of our needs and desires, all our joy and pain, past and present and future at the altar right now. We bind it as a living sacrifice. We lay it down right now. God, I pray right now if there's areas that, Lord, you're calling us to get up and go, awaken right now. Awaken those areas of our hearts. Awaken right now those areas that we feel lack. And release a grace to know that we can do all things through Him who gives us strength. I thank you so much for the leadership that you have over our lives. We pray that you lead us with God-fearing decisions, with wisdom. Father, we pray that we would walk in the wisdom of God. Release a fresh wisdom right now and anointing of your presence. Thank you so much for today. Thank you so much. We ask for more. And we thank you and in Jesus' name we pray.